Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Good, good. Hey, man, I love you guys. I was chatting with uh, Pastor Andrew this last week, and uh, who here knows what the Oxford Word of the Year is? Like, have you ever heard of the Oxford Word of the Year? I'm not asking you, like, if you know the one for 2022, but have you heard of this before? Okay, I had not. Uh, until Andrew sent me the article uh, for what the Oxford Word of the Year for 2022 is. But what the Oxford Word of the Year is, is it's a word for the year or an expression that has attached a great amount of interest over the last 12 months. Every year we debate candidates for the word uh, and for the year, and we choose a winner that is judged to reflect the ethos, moods, uh, preoccupations of the particular year that have lasting potential as a word of cultural significance, right? So cultural significance, and this is the first year, rather than a committee selecting the word, they put several words up for vote uh, and let the people decide what the word of the year is. And and one of the options uh, was like metaverse, so we know there was great options out there, right? Uh, But the option that was chosen for our 2022 word of the year is Goblin mode. And what you guys are all doing is what I did too. It's, it's goblin mode. And goblin mode, by definition, I'm not kidding, look this up, is a slang term often used in expression, like I'm going goblin mode or to go goblin mode. And one who, it's, it's defined as one who is unapologetically self-indulgent lazy, or greedy. It's typically someone who rejects social norms. Goblin mode is built off of this idea of do whatever you want to be happy. Do whatever you want to be happy. And this is how they describe 2022. And what I had the conversation with Andrew about is people are so in search of happiness, but what they're really in need of is joy. Can you say joy? Joy. We're continuing our Advent series where we get to be a part of the big C church, right? Advent is not something that we're just doing here at Generations. It's not even something that just happens in America. This is something that we get together, gather together in one accord with all believers and go through and take the time to slow down and reflect on four topics. And today we're reflecting on joy. The word Advent is come, comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming and preparing for Jesus coming, whether that's in 10 years, 10,000 years, it's a time where we get to reflect and slow down. And so I'm excited to dive into the word a little deeper today, but before we get into there, would you pray with me? Dear Father, God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that we are able to gather together under one roof in this beautiful rainy day here in Southern California And God, I just thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for who you are and what you're doing here at this church, your church, Generations. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Philippians? We're going to be reading out of chapter 4, verse 4. 
So we're in Philippians 4, verse 4. I'm reading out of NLT. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. We'll have it up on screens. Starting in verse 4, it goes like this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone that you are considerate, let everyone know that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Verse 7, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And I want to take this time today to break this scripture down into three points and I promise to not take too much of your time, right? We want to get back cozy in bed and relax today. So let's kick it off with point number one. In the search for joy and finding what true joy is, we need to first give thanks. Give thanks. Right? Verse 6 just said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need. And thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. The practice of gratitude is how we grow in our faith and trust in God. Right? We just came out of the Thanksgiving season where we get to spend time with friends and family and, and talk all about what we are thankful for. But when we give thanks to God, it's how we grow in faith and trust in him. It's been said this way, it's the attitude of gratitude. It's the attitude of gratitude. You see, the thing about joy is joy is a posture before it's ever put into practice. See, joy is a posture before it's ever put into practice. Joy as a posture is this. We need to receive life as we are given from God as a gift, right? Something we could never earn or deserve, but yet it's given to us freely. That is the posture of joy. And then when we put it into practice, this is how we live our daily life. And that will grow our faith. We receive life as a gift versus a right. And then that gratitude leads us to joy. And I would encourage you as we begin to practice joy, there's two things that I think can help us focus on this when we're giving thanks. Number one is consistency. Anything you are trying to do or trying to get better at, you have to be consistent with. Starting every morning with gratitude and joy. Keep it simple. Start every morning. God, thank you for this bed. Can I get an amen? amen? Hallelujah. Thank you for this bed. God, thank you that when I flip this light switch, it turns on. Thank you that I have water to shower and drink uh, all at the same time. No, just kidding. Don't do that. That's gross. Um, thank you, Lord. 
I have a sign next to my bed that says, today I choose joy. I, I love it. Choosing joy, it takes consistency. And the second thing is redirection. You see, joy comes, but so does trial. But we need to train our thoughts. When less than joyful thoughts come, we need to practice redirecting them to gratitude for God. This is something that will take a lifetime to learn, right? But redirection is possible because of who our hope is in. We have hope in Jesus. My second point today is as we are in search of joy, we need to draw near. Can you say draw near? Philippians 4, verse 5, we just read it. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is near. Other translations say, the Lord is close. He sticks closer than a brother, closer than your closest friends. You see, Jesus and Lord are not just this sky fairy that's out of reach. He's here right now. God is here right now waiting on you. I love what C.S. Lewis says. Grab this quote. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, just hand out to anyone. It is a great foundation of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you, but if you are not, you will remain dry. If you are not close to it, you will remain dry. If you want joy, Generations Church, you have to get close to Jesus. You have to get close to Jesus. And what does drawing close to Jesus look like practically, right? Because I could stand up here and tell you to get close, but if you don't know the practical application of it, what good is that? Drawing close to Jesus practically looks like bringing him into every area of your life. Bringing him in on every decision of your life. Are you having issues at work? When was the last time you prayed for your job? When was the last time you prayed for your coworkers? Oh, when was the last time you prayed for your boss that drives you nuts? Man, are you having issues with relationships? When is the last time you prayed over the person you're having issues with? It's hard to have issues when you're praying for someone, I'm telling you. And that leads me to my third point. In the search for joy, you have to curate your mind. You see, joy and happiness are 
often confused as the same thing. But joy and happiness are not synonyms. See, joy is an inward feeling where happiness is an outward expression. You can express happiness, but joy is pure. You can have happiness in all the wrong places, right? I'm sure that you've done worldly things that have brought you happiness, but they will always leave you empty. Joy is pure, and joy is not dictated by your circumstances. Joy is not dictated based off what you're going through. You have to curate your mind. You have to take control of your thoughts. Taking your thoughts captive means speaking God's authority over your situation. It means speaking God's promises over your situation. When you start to think thoughts like, why would God use me? Why would God love me? Things are never going to get better. My situation will never improve. You have to pray God's promises over you. And where do you find God's promises but in his word? You have promises like Romans 12, 12, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Or Philippians 4, 4, always be joyful in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Romans 5, 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Or one more, Psalms 33, 21, in him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. We trust in his holy name. Here a few years ago, I, I had hit a low. I had hit a place in my life where I had battled depression like never before. I had hit a low that I didn't know was possible, that I've seen other people be sad before, but I always was like, man, they must not know who Jesus is. But me, someone that grew up in the church, my grandpa was a pastor, my dad was a pastor. I was a pastor at the time. And I hit a low. I was battling depression from a, a job that was running me on empty. Me and Jay's marriage was hanging on by strings. We were hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt that we couldn't pay, living a negative budget month after month after month, just drowning. I couldn't get out of bed. I, I didn't have the energy to get up. I didn't know. And I found myself just trying to survive month by month, week by week, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second, just surviving. And I'll never forget a Tuesday night. I had gotten home from work, and Julia said, hey, we're going 
to our community group. And she really dragged me there. I did not want to go. And a Tuesday night that would normally be filled with hanging out with friends and eating together and playing games and just having a good time, we walked into Miss Dawn's house in the small town of Norwalk, Iowa. And she cooked us a meal and we sat in a circle. And she said to us this, she said, today we are going to choose our words for next year. A word that you need to prophesy over your life. And then we're going to pray over you. And so we went person by person in this circle. And I remember praying over people and feeling so empty on the inside. And then it got to us and I looked at my wife. I shouldn't have. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Sorry. But I looked up and I said, I need joy. I need joy. I've been wearing this mask of, of faking it, getting through, being the pretty pastor that they needed me to be, but I was broken. I said I needed joy, and and Dawn bowed her head, and she started praying, and as she was praying, she started laughing. And she said these words, she said, God, you are so good. Because you had already told me this is the word that their family needed. And I pray that these next 12 months would not just be joyful, but God, that they would be overwhelmingly joyful. And she prophesied this over our lives, and it changed my life forever. And I'm not going to tell you the next 12 months were perfect, hear me, but it shifted our perspective. It shifted what God was calling us to. And in these next 12 months, God would take us and would restore our marriage. It's so good. He's so good. He would restore our family. He would heal wounds. He grabbed a hold of us. He provided new jobs for us both that we didn't apply for. And in six months, he took us from being to the point of talking with bankruptcy lawyers to being 100% debt free. And, and hear me real quick, because what I don't want you to hear is how cool Noah is or how awesome is, but exactly the opposite of, look how big of a screw up I am, but look where God took me. Look what God redeemed, look what God restored, and he can do it in me, that means he could do it in you, Generations Church. God wants joy for you. He wants to wrap his arms around you and comfort you when you need comfort. If you're hurting, he wants joy for you. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit that comes from Holy Spirit. Supernaturally, it's a gift from Holy Spirit. And growing up, I never called him Holy Spirit, right? That sounds like you're talking about a person. 
And so it's weird. So often in the Western Christianity, we call him the Holy Spirit, right? But Holy Spirit is a person that is alive and in this place today. And it convicted my heart that I want to get closer. Galatians 5, verse 22 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Why is the reason the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts? Why would he give us these supernatural gifts? What do we need them for? It's, it's built to edify his church. And we are his church. It's not this building. It's the body of Christ. Joy builds the body of Christ. And this does not mean that life's going to be perfect. Hear me. Ask my wife. I'm still not perfect. She'll tell you. But Paul says it best in 2 Corinthians 6.10. Verse 10 goes like this. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Not heartache or joy. It's heartache and joy. Heartache and joy. Biblical joy comes from the decision of putting our faith and hope in Jesus. When we believe that Jesus' love has overcome death, joy becomes reasonable. This doesn't mean we should ignore or suppress hurt and sorrow. Hear me, that's not healthy or helpful. Feel emotions, feel pain. But Paul expressed his grief and his joy. As he acknowledged the pain, he also chose to pursue God's promise. And as I'm closing today, I want to encourage you to let joy be your baseline. Let joy be your point of default where you always return. You can have ups and you can have downs, but you need to find joy as your medium. You'll experience feelings and emotion, but they should always lead you back to joy. And I'll tell you this, joy is often found in the valley. Joy is found in your lowest, but it's tested at the mountaintops. It's tested at your highest points. What do I mean by that? When you're all out and you have nothing left, it's easy to cling to Jesus as your joy, right? But when everything in life is going perfect for you, when you don't need a savior, are you still giving joy from Jesus? Are you still receiving the joy from Jesus? 
Don't let the mountaintops give you false happiness. And remember, three things are going to lead you to joy. Giving thanks. Man, have that consistent gratitude. Give thanks for everything. In the morning when you wake up, before you eat, before you send your kids to school, before you start your day of work, give thanks. Before you go to bed, give thanks. Number two, draw near. Closeness with Jesus will curate relationships. The people you are closest to in your life are going to be the people you have the most relationship with. Be close to Jesus. And point three, you need to curate your mind. Practice redirection. When thoughts come, we need to proclaim God's promise. We need to redirect our thoughts to God's word. We need to take captive our negative thoughts. It doesn't mean we'll never have negative thoughts. It means when they come, because they will, we need to pray God's promise. Here in just a few seconds, we're going to go into our Advent reading, and the Holmes family is going to come. And after the reading, there's going to be a time of reflection where we're going to play a song. And when the song's playing, I want you to ask yourself this question. What areas of your life do you need to redirect your thoughts? What areas of your life do you need to find joy over happiness? And what areas of your life do you need to give back to God? Andrew and Diane, you can come now. First of all, I want to thank God and thank Noah for sharing that great message. It's definitely a blessing. Advent week three, joy. The light glowing from our Advent wreath is burning brighter. This radiance warms our hearts and fills us with joy. The Lord has done great things for us. Let us rejoice. Today, we relight the first two candles of the Advent wreath, the candle of hope and the candle of peace. Now, we light the third candle of Advent. This is the candle of joy. As the coming of Jesus, our Savior draws nearer, our joy builds with our anticipation of his birth. From the book of Isaiah, we read the words of our Lord. Isaiah 65, 18. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. And Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. I guess he doesn't want to read this time. Uh, Diana, I'll go ahead. Light three candles, see them glow, brightly so that all may know how three candles show the way, making our darkness bright as God's day. 
Dear God, we carry many burdens and worry over many things. Help us to hear your promise in this Advent season, that in hearing from the tears we have sown, we may receive the Spirit's gift of joy. And may our spirits be kept sound at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and just thank you for this word that you've given us today, God. God, we thank you that if your word says that the joy of the Lord can be our strength, God, I believe that it can and it, 
and it will be, Father God. I pray that just as Noah was sharing, Father God, that we can choose it, that we can choose you, God. I pray, Lord, that we would take that so literal, Lord, that throughout the days and weeks coming ahead, God, in the years, Lord, I pray that we would reach for you in that way, Lord. That, you would, that we would ooze joy, that we would uh, breathe and, and, and walk and enjoy, Father God, that we would live in joy. God, that that joy would be contagious, Father God. The world is in desperate need and in search of joy, God, that can only be found in you. Lord, I pray that you would be our joy, God, that you would be our song, that you would be our strength, God, that we can reflect those parts of you rightly to the world so that you can receive all honor and all glory, all power and all praise. In your precious and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are dismissed. Go in the joy of the Lord.